so we're in Miami today, Paul, and right. uh, you know uh, it, Ben's going to be interviewed here in a moment. But you know you're in Miami where the Super Bowl was just held. Wow, you're right. And do you feel Super Bowl fever? Wow, do you feel the fever? No, from I, Super I did. Bowl, <laughs> did not feel the aura when I uh, landed in Miami from Dallas a few moments ago. It was interesting talking to Ben about his football experiences, even off mic or off interview, yeah. because. Yeah. Uh, he's played with some of the greatest players in the, in the NFL history. He's played 15 years. He's caught, this guy's caught almost 600 passes. And so I said to him, uh, off mic, I said, uh, I said, Ben, man, almost 600 passes. And every single one of those, you got hit by somebody really hard. That's <laughs> right. you got, he goes, right. yeah. I said, my understanding is, it's like jumping off an eight-foot ladder onto concrete without stopping any, without holding your arms out. He goes, "That's about it." <laughs> so you're you're in in Miami yeah. uh, as we tape this. The uh, the coronavirus and travel oh, is man. being reduced. Yeah, you know, let's let's digress just for a second. What is your as a, as a guy who travels a lot? Give right. us your secret three tips for traveling and staying healthy. Let's, let's, well, let's, let's, let's dig into the mind of Paul Cole for a second. Well, you know, I've traveled since 1977 and the first time I got really sure. sick was in Haiti. And I oh, begin no. to learn tips. You learn things by what other people do or by mistakes you've made. And I had some, I was in Haiti and I had some salad. Well, you don't eat lettuce in Haiti. So yeah. That's one of the first things I discovered, Brian. And then, uh, you know, you just learn things over time. Uh, there's certain things you don't eat that are local foods just because of the way it's been prepped. Mm -hmm. I don't eat lettuce on the road at all anywhere. I don't care. I don't care if it's in the, in the best restaurant in France. Just don't do it. Mm -hmm. Plus, I buy uh, this, these little, uh, they're little two ounce, one ounce uh, Lysol spray. I've, I've got. Uh, oh, yeah, like sure. A, boxes of them at home that I've bought over the years. So that worked out. I've got the Lysol wipes. I got all the stuff and you just protect yourself so, as best you can. So Lysol, if you'd like Lysol, if you'd like <laughs> yeah, to sponsor right. this if podcast, like to be a you can send your samples, attention, Paul Cole. Man, I'll tell you right now, Texas Brian, I don't, yeah, I don't think they need our help. Yeah, uh, yeah it's true. That's everybody's true. buying stuff, yeah. you know, but a part of it is just being smart. And I I'm careful about where I sit, who I sit next to. I'm mm -hmm. careful in crowds. Um, again, you know, water, you know, there's a lot of places I don't even trust if the water has a, for instance, if the water has a metal cap on it, remember the, you know, sure. the bottle tops you have to kind of pull off and they're metal. If it's metal cap, I don't drink it because metal caps can be put back on after the water that was originally in there is replaced by water out of a hose. And cause I actually saw some kids doing it one day behind a hotel and they were recapping the, the bottles of water for the hotel. And that was in New Jersey. No. So. Yeah. Right. That was in, that was in Guatemala. Be nice to Sorry, New Jersey. Sorry, New Jersey. Sorry, yeah. New Jersey. I love you. I mean, we do, oh. we have kind of cut down a few places. You know, but the, yeah. but the fact is, is that when you travel, you, there are certain things that are going to happen, whether I'm sitting in my house or traveling, you know, it, you could get a letter from a postman who's got a virus and he, you pick it up and you pick that thing up right then. 
you know, so these things can happen anywhere. I, I think what you have to do is you have to kind of lean the odds towards you. And yeah. so that's what I do, you know. And uh, like today when I got on the airplane, I sprayed the seat with the Lysol. I wiped the, wiped the little armrests. The guy sitting next to me goes, yeah. oh, well, that's a smart thing to do. <laughs> I said, yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. So well, it's just all those safe things, in you know? Miami. And, uh, and let's go ahead and listen to Paul's interview with Benjamin Watson. Yeah, this is, this is absolutely amazing. You're going to love this, Brian. It's Brave Man with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. Talking with Benjamin Watson, who's the uh, tight end uh, par excellence in the NFL. You've had an amazing career, Benjamin. And uh, it has been remarkable to watch. And now here's the play that I remember. And I, you're going to have to refresh me of when this happened. There was a, there was a, uh, it seems to me it was the playoffs. And there was a, uh, try and remember the guy. And he, and he caught an interception in, in the end zone and was running down a field for a touchdown. And you caught the guy. Yeah, Champ Bailey, another Georgia Bulldog. Champ Bailey. All, all, all time great. All time great. Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. And you chased him down. That was was 2000. That was January of uh, 2006. uh, The the playoffs in in Denver at Mile High. And um, we ended up losing the game, but it was a horrible call. It should have been a touchback. (laughs) They didn't have pile-on cameras back then. We didn't have that type of technology. Yeah. Um, so So the referees just gave the home field advantage, you know, gave them the ball in the one. Yeah. Well, what's, you know, and so those are tough things when you lose a game. I mean, it's, you know, obviously we know you're, you're a father, you've got seven children, but real world, uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on, but man, losing a game, it's your profession, it's your job, it's what you stand for, you know, that kind of thing. What's the toughest moments you've had in athletics and how'd you overcome those? Yeah. Um, you know, the losses are tough. Um, and it's not just a losing. It's, you know, you think about all that you've done to, to get to that point. Um, yeah. You know, every time it, there's, there's 32 teams and 31 of them are going to go home losers basically at the end of the year. You know, only, only one team is going to, to win the championship. And so for everybody, there's going to be this moment of deflation and disappointment uh, because you've been at this thing since – you know, the off season all the way through to January or whenever you end up getting put out of the playoffs or if you don't make the playoffs. And this is, there's this kind of reset that you have to hit in order to get yourself going for the next year. Uh, so, so those are, those are tough. And I think the, the, the latter parts of my career, it gets harder and harder to, to lose in the end and not finish on top because you know, you don't have much time left. Um, so, so those are difficult, but also, you know, obviously you got the injuries, those sorts of things that kind of come up out of nowhere and, you know, right. fighting through those types of things has been, has been a battle for me for sure. So let me ask you this for uh, a man listening right now who might be going through a difficult moment. And I want to speak also because you have faith in Christ. You have a, a strong depth of faith. How do you, but you, man, this is, this is devastating. You're laying on the field and it's, it's done. How do you, you know, you say you got to restart. How do you actually do that? Yeah. Um, you know, for, for me, it's, it's a lot of it is 
about perspective. And, and, you know, there've been times when I've been injured and, you know, I've had several major injuries. I've ruptured my Achilles. I've torn another one, right. you know, had an ACL. I've had several head injuries. You know, I've had quite a few things over my 16 year career that have kept me out off the field for a little while, if not an entire season. And I can remember actually sitting in meetings sometimes when I know I'm not playing and not able to practice because I'm rehabbing an injury and feeling like, all right, the next guy is going to take, take my job and maybe I won't be here next year. All the things wow. that go through a man's head when we're talking about our professions. Um, and I can remember actually in my notebook writing down the time after time that God has been faithful uh, and brought me back from different, maybe not to the same place, but maybe to another place, but there's always been some sort of provision that has happened after a time of disappointment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, many times I've been guilty of thinking that this new challenge is something brand new to him and something that he is surprised with and cannot handle. And then kind of like the children of Israel going over the Jordan River and building the monument on the other side, the altar, I'm reminded of the many times that, you know, stuff looked like it was, I was dead and, and it was over. And because he wanted me to continue, he provided healing and provided an opportunity to keep going. So that, you know, part of it is, is having, um, going through the exercise of remembering your past and the faithfulness of the past. That's huge. And, and David said that in Psalms, he said, it says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Mm -hmm. speaks about him in, in Samuel, and it says that when he was down, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And what, how you encourage yourself in the Lord is remember those things he has done for you, right? That's, that's a huge deal right there, man. That's, that's strong because, you know, you've been part of a Super Bowl winning team, but you've also been – you also lost to Eli. <laughs> Twice. Well, yeah, actually, I lost, I lost once, but the club, they lost again when I was gone. But the club was because Eli, Eli, um, you know, he, we trained together for the combine. I mean, we're the same class. We're class 2004 and oh, we're no friends. Kidding. I love him to death. And, yeah, he's you know, a great guy. Great guy. But man, I remember sitting there in 2007 <laughs> and we were undefeated. And, right. you know, we're getting down to three minutes left in the game. And I started having visions of confetti. And this guy, you know, throws a pass down the field. David Tyree catches it. Then he throws a fade to Plastico Burris. And all of a sudden, that's it. So that's yeah. how it goes. So now you have to deal with disappointment. You have to deal with things that hit you as a man. And you got to pick yourself back up and encourage yourself in the Lord. Now, is part of that, does part of that work out in that what encourages you is when you help others or encourage others? Um, well, I think that along our, our Christian journey, we are, we are supposed to be someone's encourager, somebody's Barnabas. We're supposed to, you know, find ways to speak life into people, even in tough situations. And mm -hmm. I think that some of the largest ministries that we have uh, comes from comes in times that are tough. Uh, you know, the, the good times are, you know, you, you're supposed to minister in those times too, but it seems that as humans, we resonate and we, um, we gravitate more towards uh, encouraging words when we are in a time of discouragement. Mm 
Yeah. Uh, and so how, how we handle disappointment is very, very, very important. Uh, not only for us as individuals, but as, as ambassadors of the cross, um, how people see us go through disappointment is very important because, and it's not that we're supposed to smile through everything. Like, you know, our authenticity is important. We need that's to huge. That's huge. Yeah. We need to know that we are disappointed and disappointed and sad about things. Um, but that we have, you know, a hope that is beyond, uh, anything that this world can offer. That's, that's the whole point of it. So I think, you know, I think you hit something right there. Uh, when we talk about hope, we live in a world that, that really beats hope down. And, um, you know, I just did a, a series of messages on keep hope alive, which, of course, goes back to a man who ran for president years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but the whole thing is, is that hope gets beaten up a lot. And you wrote about that. You wrote towards that in a book, Under Our Skin. Um, and, and really... It seems to me, and, and you can tell me the process, it seems to me you wrote something that went viral on Facebook about the decision in Ferguson, Michael Brown, and all that stuff. That was 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And, and uh, injustices and then the misunderstandings. And then, and then, of course, if you will, a cacophony of voices and sounds. And, and you wrote something on your Facebook, and it, it went viral, and then that ended up becoming a book. Uh, tell me about that journey, and because one of the last things you said on that Facebook post was, "I'm hopeful." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me about that journey and what happened on that, Benjamin. Yeah, I mean, as you summarized, um, you know, we if we can all take ourselves back to 2014, you know, the killing of Michael Brown. Um, by by the officer and all of the uproar that happened after that, and um, you know when the decision was made by the grand jury not to indict the officer, uh, it, it, there was a reaction, um, an emotional reaction because so many of us had followed this this case, and, and this was this was you know incident. You count the number after a, a long summer of these sorts of right and altercations under questionable circumstances, you know, things that we didn't know where black men were um, being killed by officers in questionable circumstances. And so there was kind of a fever pitch when it came to that. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I was no different. I was following this as well. And so, you know, after the, the uh, grand jury didn't, didn't indict, I wrote the Facebook post, as you said, just really just laying out my emotions as an American, um, as a father, as a black man, um, a believer, all those things that, that I characterize myself as. And um, just being raw about being sad, about being introspective, about, about being angry, that we're seeing these things happening over and over again about, you know, being hopeless because it seems like nothing changes, but right. also about being hopeful because I, I've seen, we've seen collectively as a nation, so much progress in this area mm -hmm. um, not too long ago. I mean, we're not talking about hundreds of years. I mean, we're talking about a generation. I mean, I'm literally the first generation really in my family that was born a citizen of this country because wow. my parents, born in 1956, technically weren't really full citizens because they couldn't, you know, black people couldn't vote. And wow. the Fair Housing Act, so when you look at it and think about it, it's, it's not that long ago for us to get to a place where we are now in real time. Um, and so I wrote about those things, but also wrote about, you know, that the gospel is, is really, um, the answer 
And it's not to, it's not to glaze over systemic injustice that exists. It's not to glaze over racism that still exists in many ways, it's not to glaze over um, the, the, the lasting effects of redlining and incarceration, all those things that we need to deal with. But at the root of every issue, every vice um, known to man is, is sin. And the, the blood of the cross is really what transforms the heart of man. Um, and, and that will never change. And so, you know, th- th- that's, that's why I'm encouraged and that's why I'm hopeful. And it's kind of twofold. You know, we, we need to collectively um, address uh, the injustice that continues. Um, but we also need to understand that, hey, if I correct these things and I don't present the gospel to people, then, you know, we can sing Kumbaya and, and go to hell, all of us. And, 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 so yeah. the, and so there is life after this and there is eternal life, you know, which begins by knowing, you know, God and Christ who he sent. And so those two things together are important. And so Under Our Skin, you know, is a book kind of in as raw a way as I could kind of addressing the issue of a race of race in America, because that has been our, um, you know, our, our, our common thread since, <laughs> since the inception of the Republic. Yeah. You know, uh, it's a, it's a great book and I want to mention it under our skin uh, and uh, Benjamin Watson, and it's available on, a, you know, on a Kindle, Amazon, uh, everywhere. And I'm going to encourage everyone listening to us to get that and get that book because for some of us, and particularly if you're Anglo or uh, from a different background or different place, some of these, it'll open up your eyes to some things. And then for a lot of us, it will help us frame, you've done such a good job of framing the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important. And then there's little, you know, there's things that we don't think about. Well, I'm, we're very active as a, as a ministry in the uh, ban the box movement. Mm-hmm. And our, uh, one of my good friends is named Harry Jackson, who's in Washington. Yeah. Washington, Bishop Harry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's yeah. a good friend, HRJ. And uh, uh, Harry, you know, is the one that really brought this to light to me. And then um, Dr. Uh, Dwayne Pickett down at New Jerusalem in Jackson, who are, who's a very close friend. And they both brought this to me. I went, wow, I had no idea that, you know, the front page of, a, of an employment uh, yeah. thing has a little box that says, have you ever been convicted of a felony? Yeah. And uh, so the, the thing is, is that, by and large, what that's done is immediately push aside so many uh, young men, men of color, uh, men of, uh, let's say, poor backgrounds. And so uh, these are things that sometimes we don't think about, Benjamin, and I so appreciate. But not only did you write Under Our Skin on this really important issue, but you also wrote a book about first-time dads, and you've got seven kids. So I think that makes you an expert, bro. (laughs) Well, part of the reason for the book was trying to tell other people about all the mistakes that I made. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, that was – it was my wife's idea, actually, to write that. Oh, no, it wasn't. Okay. It was. And, you know, she said, you know, you should make – maybe after our second second or third kids that you should make a handbook for dads um yeah. you know, practical stuff for dads because fathers you know we they have every book in the world for women 
uh, but I wanted this book to be a what to expect when she's expecting for guys. So it, in the book, it's called The New Dad's Playbook, <clears throat> Gearing Up for the Biggest Game of Your Life. And and in it, uh, it's part exhortation, and encouraging fathers that, you know, no matter what you've seen out of fatherhood before, you have what it takes yeah. to, be, to be a dad you're equipped to be. Also, you know, we need you to be that dad and also challenging men when it comes to fostering the relationship with their, their baby's mother, um, because that's where fatherhood and parenting really starts. That's what creates the, the thermostat that of care inside of the house, how you treat the mother. Um, hopefully you are married to her, but even if you aren't, um, that relationship really is paramount when it comes to raising healthy children. And so then the second part of the book is, is really just a, a how-to, how to swaddle, how to change a diaper, um, what to expect when you go to the first OB appointment and you're looking at this ultrasound and you don't know what the heck's going on, what questions yeah. to ask, what's, you know, I have, a, I have like a list of terms in the back, everything from trimester to you name it, so that men are armed with uh, real information and they can understand what's happening because there's so many changes that happen in pregnancy with the mother. And sometimes as a father, you're looking on, you're on the outside looking in, just wondering what's the best way to serve. Yeah, man, that's fantastic. I'm going to really, I want to really promote that. I want to promote it uh, on our website too, because that's important. You know, I mean, for me, the biggest change with our first child is I had to get rid of my two seat sports car as our family yeah. car. Oh yeah, I mean it was a little MGB. It's back in the day, but for me that was a big deal. I go, and for my wife it meant nothing. Yeah, exactly. Like, We're just changing cars. I go, no, no, no. You don't understand. <laughs> well, you ought to see our car now. You know, we have a big yellow car with a black stripe down the side. It's called a school bus. Um, <laughs> you know, we have, we have a, a big uh, Nissan. Uh, Nissan 12 passenger van at this point. So all of our cool points. I mean, we tried to dial, uh, tint the windows and put some rims on it, but it's still a big box. <laughs> That's funny, man. I put some 22s on it. And, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's still a big old box. <laughs> yeah, but at least you can have some good sound in it. True, true. Yeah. I mean, for all the you know videos and the, the kids, the kids' music that we play going down the street. Well, you know, I I want to pray uh, God's blessing on you, uh, Benjamin, in this coming season and, and whatever you know the Lord's leading you into next. And uh, I pray that whatever your hands are put to, that God prospers that, and wherever you put your feet, it's holy ground. And I pray protection over the accusations. You know the. Uh, the Bible says in Corinthians, Paul said, we're ministers of reconciliation. Reconciliation in the original language is uh, the opposite of accusation. Mm. And so, uh, so what comes with being a minister of reconciliation is accusation. Mm. And reconciliation, we talk about there's a lot of that uh, reconciliation of the races, but I think you hit it. It's sort of like peace in the Middle East. Yeah. You're not going to have it when there's war in people's hearts. So reconciliation doesn't start with, we're not ministers of reconciliation between us, it's between God and us. And man, I appreciate not only what you've said, but the fact you, you're putting it in print. I've got it on my iPad here. I've got it on my uh, download under our skin. Awesome. Great book, man. And, and then the first time, Dad, I want to get that out to guys. So thank you for taking the time. I look forward to spending time with you again in the future. And I'd uh, love to have you come share your story with some of our uh, men and events and things we do across the country. I appreciate everything you're doing for, for, 
for fatherhood, for, you know, all your other initiatives. I read about the human trafficking and the, you know, race and equity and all those things. Yeah. I think that's, that's really powerful and that's definitely needed. So I appreciate your leadership in that role as well. Yeah. Well, you know what? We just keep our head down and go after it, right? That's it. I mean, that's kind of what you do. I'm, you know, I mean, people see you, you've caught almost 600 passes in the NFL, which means you've gotten hit by some really big people. Uh, tell me about it. <laughs> it's, kind of like, it's kind of like jumping off a eight foot ladder and just landing on the cement. It, it actually is. <laughs> no, I'm describing what an orthopedic surgeon said. Yeah. And, and, and yet, yet the greatness, if you will, of what you've done is in what people don't see. It's the block that was made. Mm -hmm. It's the Tuesday afternoon being willing to show up. You know, uh, it's Muhammad Ali once said, he said, I never want to fight in the ring. He said, I want it out there on the road at four in the morning when nobody was looking. Yeah. And so I appreciate that about you and your, your uh, push for excellence and the fact that you're taking that to other parts of your life. So uh, God bless you in that, man. And right. thanks for taking the time to do this uh, interview. Thank you. Look forward to speaking with you again. All right, buddy. God bless you, man. Thank you. Well, that was a great interview with, with uh, Benjamin Watson, Paul. I tell you, knowing that, that we've got a, 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 a football player in here in the States, of course, a, a major sport, the major sport, but with such strong beliefs, strength, yeah. both on the field and off the field, um, and I know that, that you and your father, uh, Dr. Evan Lewis, Lewis Cole, have been teaching this for years. And, and hey, if those of you listening today to the podcast, cmn.men is your resource. cmn.men. That's where you have to go. And there's tons of resources available that uh, support what you just heard in the interview. Right, Paul? Yeah, you know, uh, Ben said uh, one of the things he wrote in that Facebook post we talked about, and it's all in his book, Under Our Skin. But he said, I'm encouraged because ultimately the problem is not a skin problem, it's a sin problem. And so to me, when we start dealing with the core issues, you know, Paul talked about it in the book uh, uh, when he wrote to the church at Corinth, when he said, you know, we are uh, ambassadors or ministers of reconciliation. And we, and Ben and I, as Ben and I just talked about. And the fact is, is that if we're going to do that, if we're going to build strong men, we've got to be discipled now. This guy, this guy's been discipled. He, he has got such a strong command of his, uh, of his thoughts, of who he is as a man, his identity. He's in his late thirties now. So, uh, you know, his, his prayer is to play one more year. And um, so anyway, it was, it was pretty amazing being able to talk to him. He was in his home and we had a, a great chat off mic as well as what you just heard. Well, listen, uh, cmn.man is a great destination for, for many materials and books. Um, you, know, you can pick up Paul's book. Uh, I have, I'm looking at a copy of just a bartender right now uh, sitting on my desk and uh, full of stories and anecdotes. And uh, also, uh, we encourage you to share this podcast with your friends. Um, this podcast is available wherever popular podcasts are given away for free, including Spotify, Pandora, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. Wait a minute, wait so, a minute. So uh, we give this away for free? What? We're giving this um, away for we free? Just, 
Well, yeah, that's, that's true, Paul. That's amazing. It's, it's I have no movie. idea. <laughs> yeah, anyway. But, uh, listen, it's, it's great to have you here today listening to us on the Brave Men podcast. Uh, so for Paul Cole, this is Brian Boyd, and we'll see you next time. You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.